It's great to be with you this morning to be able to preach. I'm learning that God is good. <laughs> well, today we're starting the last in this series of four sermons on how to make a big impact. We looked at commitment to start with. First week was commitment and uh, commitment to Christ, commitment to others. Second week was serving, serving Christ, serving others. Third week was giving, that was last week, to the work of the gospel and supporting others. And today we have got perhaps the most important of all. And John wasn't sure whether to put this first or fourth, and I'm glad it's fourth, and I'm glad he's asked me. Prayer. Prayer is so important for us if we're going to impact the lives of others for Jesus. When I was young, I knew that praying was important and every now and again I prayed as children do, just trusting God. I didn't have anybody to guide me or anything like that, I just did it. Uh, but then in my early teenage years, that prayer went out the window. It was rugby and cricket. But when I was 14 and a half, I became a Christian and prayer became part of my life. And the older I've become, the more important and significant prayer is. I wish I was better at praying. I wish I would spend more time in prayer. And I guess I wish, like you would wish, at times like that, that we might pray better. You know, it's really a matter of your heart. Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher, said, it's not a matter of time so much as a matter of the heart. If you have the heart to pray, you'll find the time. I want us to think on that as we think about prayer and its significance in our life and how do we pray. So to do that, may I pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God of all mercy. You are the God of comfort. You are the God who has called us to come to you, to know you, to know you in relationship as our Father. You have given us this special relationship through prayer. And I ask that today you would help each of us to see where we're really at in our relationship with you and with one another as we look at the importance of prayer in our life. Amen. As we come to this uh, tremendous topic, I've got a few words I want us to think about. The first one is devote. Do you use that word very often? Probably not. But I'm going to ask you, what are you devoted to? What things are most important in your life? At the beginning of the early church, if you remember, after Pentecost, there were 3,000 plus people were converted. Can you imagine 3,000 people meeting together regularly? The Bible says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And they did this regularly. And the Lord added to their number. No wonder the Lord added to their number. That was, it was so significant in their meeting together and in the fellowship they had, in the understanding of God's word. The consequences were that the church grew and grew. So the first word is devoted. Second word is Directed. Our, our devotion needs direction. 
We can be devoted to this or to that, but what direction are we taking? What direction is moulding your life? In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, we read these words. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. I love that verse. He directs, us, he directs his people in the way that they should go. Are you allowing him to direct you? Are you following his direction? Third word is delighted. A little bit of difference, isn't it? Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I need to ask you, are you delighting in the Lord? Does the Lord give you joy? When you come before him, does he give you joy? Does it give you joy to pray to him, to worship him, to praise him, to beg for him? These are all words that are related to prayer. Well, that's three. We've got two more to go. The next word is desperate. Psalm 79. If you could read this in Psalm 79, you read and you really need to read Psalm 78 and 77. Have we got time? Perhaps not. <laughs> so, one of them is a long psalm. But you ought to read it as the background because it talks about Israel's history and God's forgiveness and the sin of the fathers. And that's one reason why we read that passage out of Deuteronomy this morning. Do you, psalm 79 verse 8 says, Do not hold against us the sins of our fathers. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we're in desperate need. A number of times in the scriptures we see people in desperate need. Do you remember in Nehemiah when, when they read the scriptures they were cried and they cried and Nehemiah had to say, stop crying for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They cried because of the, forgiveness, of, of the sin of their fathers and their own sin. Are you desperate to be forgiven by God? To be right with him and to be right with your brother and sister Christian? Desperate. So our last word is deliver. That's a good word, isn't it? In that same psalm, the very, verse, the very next verse says, Help us, O God, our Saviour, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Are you praying for God to deliver you and protect you from the evil ones attacking your life? where it has been subtle, where it's come through your personality or, or the events in your family life or your past, your, other, your previous parents and others in your life? Are you seeking God's forgiveness and deliverance from the curse of that sin? They did. These five words can help us to re reflect on the structure of our own prayers. How do you pray? One of the things that made me think about structure of prayer was one night I was in a church service and the guy got up to pray and all he prayed was, Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And in about a few minutes he'd gone through about ten give me's and that was it. And I was grieved. Because there was no reflection on who God is. When you hear Helen pray like she prayed this morning, she will always start with something that honours God, whether it's from the Psalms or wherever. And she'll call us to think about the greatness of our God. I want us to look at the structure of our own prayers so that our prayer can be more fulfilling, 
and more effective. But first of all, if somebody was to ask you, what is prayer, what would you say? I'm not asking for an answer. I'm going to put it up there. It's the cry, I've just put it down simply. It's the cry of my heart to the, cry, to the heart of God. Prayer is the cry of my heart, of my being, my inner being, to the heart of God. And it's God's blessing for you to live in that relationship with him where you can open and pour out your heart to him and he knows you and he longs for you to grow. So, so that we can have a structure, I want us to look just at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and see how Jesus structured it. It's on page 1380 in your church Bibles. And you might like to look at this with me. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. But I want us to look at the context of this before we actually go into the prayer itself. Uh, the context that it starts, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. And that was the key verse from then flowed the next 17 verses. And so Jesus then talked about this in relationship to giving, prayer and fasting. It's a powerful statement. If we have a wrong attitude, if we're proud, arrogant, boastful, what does God say? He will not hear us. You'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So giving to the needy in verses 1 to 4. Don't boast about it. Do it in secret. Verses 5 to 15. It's about praying in private. Not to be seen by people as self-righteous, parading around with big words. Verses, six, six, uh, verses 16 to 18 is about fasting. Don't parade around so that others know that you are fasting. Fasting is between you and God. So this is the background in which we have this, this part of the Lord's Prayer. It's elsewhere in the Bible, but we're just using Matthew's Gospel. And so we can see why Jesus said, when you pray, do it in private. Because it's, he's talking about not parading things out there before others. Not that corporate prayer doesn't come in later on in the Bible. Of course it doesn't, you know that. So let's look at this now. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. What does God say to us? And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans. Do you like that? Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that wonderful? He knows what you need before you ask him. Well, Jesus then says, pray. And he gives us a structure. Prayer is right through the scriptures, right from Genesis through to Revelation. So we know that prayer is important. 
God has given us this amazing relationship with himself. And it's all through prayer. It's God's special blessing to you and to me so that we can come into relationship with him and know him in the depth of our being, cry out to him from the depth of our being. I wonder how many of us have done that when we've been broken and smashed and we've fallen on the floor or fallen face down and we just cry. He hears the groans of our heart. He knows us. And when we have joy, isn't it wonderful to say, thank you, Lord. Helen, thank the Lord for, our prayer, for, for rain this morning and for all the blessings that we have. It's a wonderful privilege. So as we go down then, verse 9, what does verse 9 say? Our, this then is how you should pray. So Jesus now gives us a structure for prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Devoting yourself to honouring God in your prayers. Revering him, praising him, coming humbly before your God, your heavenly Father, our Father in heaven. Hallowed or holy is your name. You are special. You are God alone. That's what the other nations saw of Israel when they came to their God. They saw how powerful he was. They didn't, their gods were nothing like Israel's God. What is your attitude when you come to God in prayer? Think on him first. Be devoted to him. Cast yourself upon him in adoration and praise and humility and reverence. For he is our holy God. Never should we take the Lord's name in vain. When I see this thing on SMSs and other bits of paper saying, M, what is it, M-O-G? Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I, well, I hate it. It's a belittling of God. Yeah, OMG, you're right. <laughs> it's a belittling of God. When I hear somebody take Christ's name as a mockery, it hurts me. We are to honour him. He's our God. Be devoted to him. And then verse 10 he says, May your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Do you want that? Or do you want your own will to be done? Do you want to do what you want to do? And maybe God might fit into the rest? Do you really want God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven? Will you be directed by God's word and the Holy Spirit that so through you his will may be done on earth? As you pray that prayer, are you prepared for God to be doing his will through you on earth to bring his kingdom in? Well, that's why we pray, isn't it? Or do we just leave that up to God? No, he's given us a far better way. He's involved us in the privilege of praying, of being part of his will. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, I've, it's in John chapter 6. And he said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up. At 
at the last day, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Lord shall be saved. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus came not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. He set the model for you and me. Are we prepared to say, Father, may your will be done. May your kingdom come on earth. And as you wish, will you give me a part in that? Not will you, what part do you want me to play in it? Because he's given you a part. Powerful, isn't it? Great prayer. So directed by God's will. Okay. If we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, who God has given to us when we come to Christ, as we seek to obey God through his word and by the power of his spirit and with prayer linked to his word, so he will bless us and make us a blessing to others. You know what? I think of the word and prayer as two aspects of the one thing. It's like the surfboard and the surf rider. While they're on the board together, they go tremendously. But otherwise... It's distant. Or it's like the motorbike rider who becomes one with his bike and he's flying around the corners doing um, at least the eastern track, you know, out, out the west, and he's doing 150, takes his bike up to 200 and he's just one with the bike. Prayer and the Bible are like that. But if he comes off the bike, it's a bit different, isn't it? You see, prayer and the word go together. Now, look at the next verse. Give us today our daily bread. Helen prayed for that this morning. We prayed for that this morning. I put down here this Psalm 37 verse 4 to look at it from a different perspective. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It seems to me so often that when we come to the Lord, we come and... And we groan out our needs and the needs of others, and we're not happy. And we forget to thank him for all the blessings we have. And I want you to think about that. As you pray for the needs of others and for your own need, not your wants or your desires, but your own needs and the needs of others, why don't you stop and thank God for the blessings that you already have and the privilege he's given you of being his child and of being part of his family here. Give us today our daily bread. And then the next verse. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you really want God to forgive you? As you forgive others? As you forgive others? Powerful, isn't it? Friends, Jesus takes us to the depth of our being here with forgiveness as the focus. Are you desperate for God to forgive you and to cleanse you and renew you? For some of us, we've had a, a past where there's sin in our family or in us. It's come from our family. It's come from other families. That was in my life. And I can remember when I was about 17, I was walking up the orchard. I can tell you exactly where I was the day I prayed. Uh, in the second commandment, it says, 
I will visit the sins of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but show mercy unto thousands of them who love me and keep my commandments. That day I prayed. I prayed that God would break that. And he did. It took a big confrontation, but he did. Somebody said to me once, why is forgiveness so important to you? I thought, are you crazy? Forgiveness is central to our being. To knowing the freedom of God, to knowing the forgiveness of God, to knowing the cleansing of God, to being free, to be able to forgive others, free of bitterness and hurt, free of all that garbage that we get tied down with. Look what Jesus says in verse 14 and 15. He makes it very clear. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Take it to heart, my brother and sister. God has blessed us here in this church family so richly with a love amongst us. But I wonder how many amongst us are still carrying the pain of broken relationships, even within us. And he calls us to forgive. Unforgiveness, bitterness, lack of peace, broken relationship and hurting ourselves. To that Jesus says, forgive. Desperate for forgiveness? For the forgiveness that Jesus won for you on the cross? You know, when you deliberately sin, you mock Christ who died for you. Friend, be desperate for God, the Father's forgiveness. Flee to him through the cross. And so we read in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Delivered. Psalm uh, 79.9, put it all together. Help us, O God, our Saviour, for the glory of your name, deliver us and forgive us our sins. Here's the flow on from forgiveness. We ask our Heavenly Father to keep us from harm, from the evil one. Satan is evil and subtle. And he will try to draw you away from obedience to God's will in all sorts of subtle ways. Through your own inner weakness, through religiosity, through other organisations that are religious but are not Christian, but may give the, an emphasis of being Christian but not. He is, a, he is subtle, he is evil. Father, keep us from the evil one's temptation and deliver us from him. It's a powerful prayer, isn't it? The whole prayer is so awesome and powerful. But it focuses on our Heavenly Father's character and will and power being done in our lives, in you and me. And so in the structure of your prayers, devoted to him, coming humbly before God reverently in worship and praise and awe, directed by his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven, delighted in the Father's blessing as we ask him to provide for our needs. Desperate to know his complete forgiveness and then forgiving others as Christ has forgiven you and delivered through the grace of God our Father from the grip of the evil one. What a structure to follow for our own prayers. 
I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to pick this up. You know the Lord's Prayer. Three times today we've been involved in it. You know it. Take it step by step and make it your own in its structure as you pray. In the latter manuscripts, it has, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Not in the early manuscripts. But as it concludes with that, that, those words, it relates us back to who God is. He's the victorious one. Yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory forever and ever. And it's on him we rely. May I pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God who calls us individually and as a church to come before you in prayer. You are the one who's given us this great privilege and honour of talking to you just like I am now. Oh, Father, help each of us to see prayer as important because then we'll make the time to pray. Lord, I thank you for this church family. And I thank you that today you've given us this topic of prayer as we come to this last service at this time frame. As we move forward into the next weeks, help us to be a people of prayer as we go forward. That you will show us the positives of what we will be doing. And you'll take away from the negatives and the snides and whatever else might happen. Grant us your grace that we might grow closer to you and find more and more the blessing that you have for those who will spend time with you, lingering longer with the Lord. For the glory of his name. Amen.